Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is Lock It In, a sports betting show, part of the Believe Podcast Network. And now, here's your host, Cam Rogers. Thank you, Brian Brown, for that introduction. Yes, indeed, this is Lock It In. I am Cam Rogers. This is the Believe Podcast Network, and we have a very special guest on the show here this week, Joe Valerio, former NFL offensive lineman, of course, the host of the Believe in Chiefs podcast right here on the Believe Network, one of the most efficient receivers, if you will, in the NFL, four catches, four touchdowns. Perhaps Chris Carter before Chris Carter even happened. Joe, appreciate the time. Oh, my God. So great to be with you, Cam. And uh, thanks for all you do to promote sports and golf. One of my favorite things, which I love to watch and play. And I think that's awesome what you do there, giving fans and listeners insights to to what goes on in the world of golf. And, yeah, you know, you you, you stole my line, Cam. I, <laughs> I was Chris Carter before Chris Carter knew he was Chris Carter. And, uh, you know, God, I... Boy, did I live every lineman's dream? You know, it was funny when I started scoring those touchdowns and, and it got into the multiple numbers. Like, you know, there's a lot of linemen that score one or two or whatever. And then when it started getting into like the three and four range, uh, you know, it was kind of like, wait a minute, should I there's something there? <laughs> should I go play tight end? Like, what's what's the deal? Am I have I been miscast? Um, right. But no, seriously, I was living every lineman's dream, and it was a it was an absolute ton of fun to hear my name on the loudspeaker for something other than holding or offsides. Right, exactly. <laughs> now, Joe, I love good offensive line play, and I want to get into that in a little bit, but let's start with the touchdowns because I'm so curious. <laughs> and let's go back to Penn. I mean, were you catching touchdowns then? Was that ever part of the equation? I mean, how did this yeah. come about? Short of long snapping, I hadn't touched a football since I was in seventh grade, okay. uh, you know, on a football field. I, mean, I think I recovered a fumble in college. Uh, and it was actually like almost like a fumble ruski because it was a fumbled. I was a pulling tackle on the play. We were running a counter play and, and the quarterback and, uh, had a bad exchange with the center and the ball literally bounced up and right into my hand. So it almost was like a, a practice fumble ruski, right. you know, like Nebraska used to run. And uh, I actually picked it up and, and like kept running because I was on a track, right? I was on a track to block in, in a counter play. And I kept running and I gained like two yards, but that was, that was my glory of college. And yeah, I mean, you know, going to Penn was fantastic. It's, it's so funny because, you know, I always joke, I was blocking Biff McNutty from Harvard and then I was going against Howie Long and Reggie White. Quite a difference. Like what just happened, you know? And um, it was quite a transition and, you know, funny, a funny story. I was um, in the locker room once in 1994, we were in the weight room and it was during March Madness. And Neil Smith, who went to Nebraska, was like, hey, Joe, he called me little buddy. He's like, hey, little buddy. He goes, I hear uh, I hear we're playing each other. Somebody just told me we're playing each other this weekend in the NCAAs. And I said, yeah, I said, I said, you guys are a five seed. We're an 11 seed. Now, I knew a little something about that Penn basketball team, Cam, because yeah. they were they had two professionals, uh, former NBA or future NBA stars on there that Matt Maloney, who played with Charles Barkley. And then they had Jerome Allen, who had a had a had a had a pro career both in the NBA and over in Europe. And so I kind of knew that was not your typical 11 seed. And I had watched them play a lot, and I knew that they had a really good shot. I said, Neil, you're on. Let's let's put a little wager on this. So we put 100 bucks on it, and Penn won. 
and they beat Nebraska as an 11 seed back then in the 94 tournament. So Neil comes walking in and he goes, little buddy, he goes, here's your hundred dollars. He said, by the way, what the heck is a Quaker? So I was like, what do you mean? He goes, you're the Penn Quakers. I go, yeah. He goes, I thought you went to Penn State. <laughs> so Nittany Lions Quakers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah. So, so like going to Penn was, was fantastic. I, I you know, I, I, but it, to answer your question, a very, it was a long answer to a short question. I, you know, the first time I really touched a football and got my name announced for something good was, was in Kansas city. Since I think in seventh grade, I played quarterback on the, on the okay. intermediate team in middle school. Okay, there you go. Hey, I'm a former intramural flag football quarterback from college, B-League, and I was not very good. Go. <laughs> I was a gunslinger. I took risks, Joe. That's okay. Um, but so was there like a long discussion about this first touchdown play, like a roundtable conversation about, hey, Joe, do you want to do this? Do you want to try this out? I mean, I'm just curious about the inspiration. It was well, it was a little bit of luck and it was a little bit of Joe Montana being the prankster that he was. And there's, there's a story behind this. So I, in my, you know, come out in 91, I was drafted and, and I, I, you know, started a few games in 92. I backed up, you know, every position I was long snapping. I was doing whatever it, you know, I could to stay on the field. And then, um, but I was always the third tight end because back in the old days of, right. the, of the, of the smash mouth Marty Schottenheimer era with Christian Okoye and Barry word, like 250 plus pound tailbacks you always needed another lineman to come in on short yardage because we had one big tight end, but you know, you, you also needed some smaller tight ends, right? Mm -hmm. So you needed those H back types. So I would come in on short yardage and, 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 uh, uh, and goal line even early on in my career, but never did anybody dream I was going to go out for a pass in 1993 when Paul Hackett came and became the offensive coordinator from San Francisco and brought Joe Montana with them, obviously, um, the offense changed. And so I, but he liked what I had done as, as, a, as a, you know, a tank, we called it tank formation tight end. And, but he did put in one play early on in camp where I would go five yards into the end zone mm -hmm. and I would act as a screen, right? You put a big body, you're six, five, you're 305 pounds, like throw somebody out there and they can, you know, you can have receivers rub off of you um, you know, without it being, you know, yeah, sometimes I'd throw a little shoulder in so there. So no fade routes, Joe. <laughs> no, not even close, Cam. So, um, but one day we're out there at practice on a Thursday, we're doing short yardage goal line. And we put in this, you know, play where I do my obligatory screen. I put my hands up, you know, to make it, you know, a little less obvious that I am a screen. And Joe Montana is looking right at me and he's pumping the football, oh my God. pumping it, pumping it, pumping it. I'm like, uh, Joe, what are you doing? And he's staring right at me. And like Willie Davis is wide open. Keith Cash, Kimball Anders is doing his little uh, out route out of the backfield. And I'm like, whoa, Joe, over, over there. Like, yeah. I'm like, no, <laughs> don't you dare throw that at me. And he and I could see, you know, Joe, Joe was the he was the best teammate because he loved to have fun. He was the hardest working player I was ever around. I learned a lot from him in that there was a guy, you know, that had four Super Bowl rings and and to my in my opinion is still the GOAT, you know. He, he was the first guy at the locker room, the last guy to leave. Like he was the consummate leader and he liked to have fun. Right. So he's pumping the ball and he just guns it at me. And we're only like maybe 15, not even 15 yards apart, maybe 10 yards apart. Throws a bullet pass, huh? Throws a bullet. And Joe had a good arm. Like I know towards the end of his career, you know, he obviously was never, he was never a gunslinger, but you know, he had right. good arm and 
he fires this thing at me and I throw my hands up and I catch it. So I'm like reliving my, I grew up playing baseball and that was actually my first love. I thought I was actually going to play baseball in college and I was a catcher. Hmm. So I had relatively soft hands, you know, for, from all those years of, of, of catching pitchers. And I caught the thing and Paul Hackett like throws his clipboard up in the air. He comes running over. He's like, you can catch. I'm like, I guess so. Here's the ball. I like threw it to him. I didn't know what to do with it. Do I spike it? You know? And he goes, Joe, you're going to catch a touchdown pass this year. And I was like, wow, coach. I said, this West coast offense really does open things up when fat guys like me are scoring. Right. He's like, no, Joe, he goes, mark my word. You are going to score this year. So we kept putting in plays where, you know, we would run because don't forget we had Marcus Allen, who was the ultimate goal line court uh, running back at the time you know i mean he was so good around the goal line whether it was finding that small hole plowing his way through jumping over top there's a great picture that i happen to be captured in in the snow against denver where he's diving over the goal line like he was just he was awesome around the goal line so when you ran him at the goal line you know of course teams are going to collapse all 11 guys so we use that to our advantage like this big guy is not going out doing anything. Cause you know, for two years I had been running, you know, block, 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 block going on goal line. And we opened up against the Raiders. It was fourth and one Joe gets in the huddle and calls it. And I can, you know, the play was called fake 16, George, you slam. I was the you cause I was slam and go out. Right. I was the only receiver on, on three of the touchdowns. One, one of the touchdowns was actually, I was the fourth option, which there's a whole nother story about that. And, and, you know, of course, everybody's, you know, going to dive onto Marcus, right? Because they see him get sell out. Yeah, great. Like he was awesome at faking. And I was just out there all by myself. And there was the ball, you know, I could see the Wilson of the football spinning. And I'm like, Oh, God, probably felt like 10 minutes. (laughs) Yeah, it really did, Cam. It really did. And so that was where that was how it was born. That's how the tackle eligible, you know, stuff started. That's so funny and such a great little tidbit there to learn. And I just want to talk about offensive line play from a macro perspective real quick. Now, it's obviously not a big topic of conversation amongst the national pundits out there talking about offensive line play, but obviously the game is won in the trenches. And let me just ask you one quick thing, Joe. When you're playing the offensive line, is there holding on every single play and it's only actually a penalty if like the jersey gets stretched? I hear about that all the time. Like there's actually holding on every single play in theory, but it's only a penalty if you stretch the jersey. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, as tight as jerseys have gotten um, and, it, and, as, and as little as the pads are now that, that defensive linemen wear, it's a little harder to, to really clamp on. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there, there is nothing wrong with if you keep your hands inside the frame of the body of the defender. So I want, mm-hmm. you know, I want somebody to picture you know, a football player standing straight up with their shoulder pads on, and let's say their number is 98, okay? Mm-hmm. If you get right in there on the 98, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's okay to grab their cloth. Like officials, umpires, referees behind, even the line judges to a certain degree, as long as you keep your hands inside and you keep your body as close to that defensive tackle or right. defensive end or even linebacker for that matter as possible, and you grab some cloth and you get in there and grab something, a, a piece of a shoulder pad or whatever, they're not going to call that because they know the disadvantage that you're at. Right. Long gone are the days of the electric football, shoulders, you know, elbows out, like block like this, don't open your hands. It's okay to have open hands on there. So 
technically, Cam, yes, there probably is what would you would call a technical hold yep. on every single play because that's the way linemen are taught. Grab something, grab, but keep your hands inside. Where linemen get into trouble is when the defensive lineman starts to break away and you don't feel their body moving away from you mm-hmm. and you let that jersey stretch or you let your arm stretch and the, and, and, and the defensive tackle or end like shows that like stretch of his jersey that's where you're going to get caught but as long as you keep them in tight you're going to be fine now they don't want you clamping either they don't want your your arms if anytime a lineman gets their shoulder their arms outside of the shoulder pads or outside of the elbows of a defense lineman they're going to call it because they don't want clamping right so i guess in essence cam to answer a long answer to a short question there is technically holding but it's not really holding holding is when it becomes an impediment for the defensive lineman or linebacker, or even a, a D-back for that matter, if you're holding out in the open field, when, 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 it, when they see that they can't make a move and you're impeding them from making a move. So it's a little bit of a fine line. Right. Uh, it's a judgment call on the umpire and the referees you know, from their perspective, or even if it's a line judge or a back judge, if you're downfield blocking a D-back or linebacker downfield as a lineman or even, or even a receiver. You know, I mean, as long as you keep your hands in tight, they're going to let you have, they're going to let you have that little bit of an advantage um, in, in, in that play. And I, I, I coached offensive line in high school for 10 okay. years. And, and, and that's what I always taught. I'd say, grab yourself something, you know, go in and grab yourself something, but make sure you keep your hands inside. They're never going to call that. Um, and, and so, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a little bit of a technicality. Yeah. Very interesting. And it's also worth noting that playing the offensive line is so reactionary as compared right. to playing the defensive line, you make the shot you decide where you're going. Offensive line has to sort of react. And so, you know, you're at a disadvantage, as you said. So, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. So they give you that little bit of the, I guess maybe this is the wrong term, but the benefit of the doubt, right? you know, give you that little extra bit of an advantage on offense. Cause it's really hard. I mean, think about the size and athleticism of something. Think about, you know, for the chiefs, Chris Jones of the world, in my era, the Howie longs, the Reggie whites, like the, the athleticism of the defensive and the size coupled with that of these defensive linemen and linebackers, you know, it, it's really, really hard to not try to get in there and grab a little something, right. you know, because they're just, they're just, and, and that's why you see so much double teaming going on today. You know, you can't, it's almost impossible to, to single block, you know, a Chris Jones by yourself. No matter who it, you are. Yeah. It doesn't matter. You could be Joe Tooney, all pro, you know, comes to the chiefs free Orlando Brown. You know, I'm just naming some chiefs, all pros, but like, you know, Tony Munoz, Anthony Munoz, one of the greatest of all time, John Hanna, mm-hmm. you know, it is, it is darn near impossible to block these defensive tackles and some of these defensive ends by yourself and to sustain it. Right. Because they're so big, so athletic, so strong, so fast. I mean, just watch the combine sometime and watch what some of these 330, 350 pound, 350 pound defensive linemen are running the 40 yard dash in and then how much they're bench pressing. And you're like, so that's why double teaming has really become the staple. Yeah. So what, what, I, what I used to teach to the young offensive linemen was get your double teams together so your hips are together and you become one 600-pound person trying to block that 350-pound person. And what you need to do, and, and, and for the listeners who want to really watch some like intricate line play this week during the playoffs, when, when you see a double team, watch how their butts and hips come together and they drive their hips together and they become one 
big plow. Right. So what, what, what we, what you teach is then you want to block the next level. We'll call it the linebacker. So picture a down defensive tackle, right? And then picture the linebacker behind him stacked. You want to block that linebacker with that defensive lineman's butt. Okay. So you want to, you want to become one <laughs> unit and you want to actually block that linebacker using 600 pounds of weight and leverage against 350 pounds. Okay. Two 300 pound linemen and then push him back far enough that it, it makes the linebacker make a decision about where they're going to go. Yep. And then you have to come off and block as, as if you're double teaming, right. And you're trying to block two guys with two guys. And if that lineman comes off too fast to block the linebacker, what happens? The defensive tackle splits the team. Right. If you wait too long, the linebacker goes around or he cuts underneath and you miss him and he goes by you. So there is so much chemistry that goes into offensive line play and playing next to each other where it has to come down to grunts and groans as your communication, which, which is what I think a lot of people lose sight of and how hard it is to play offensive line and how much teamwork it is. And everybody always wonders, ah, well, what's the difference? Take the next guard and throw him in there. Well, if that guard and tackle or guard and center haven't played a lot together, that matters. Yeah. It really matters. And, and that's like, you know, one of the little, another little inside, you know, some inside baseball on, on offensive line play. I was looking forward to this conversation. I could talk about <laughs> offensive line play all day long, but we can't, we got to talk about the chiefs here this yes. week. Let me just say to wrap it up though. There is nothing better, Joe, than an offensive line resetting the line of scrimmage, right? Yards down, yeah. and then you double team, get on that second level, and you have that big run. It's great to watch. So. It does. It, set, it sets up. The, it opens the playbook for an offensive coordinator yeah. when you can run the ball, yeah. and that's what I'm hoping the Chiefs do this week. That's kind of a segue in. Right. You know, let's do that, it. I hope, yeah, yeah. I just, I, 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 you know, look, I, I hope that Eric Bieniemy and and Andy Reid really, uh, you know, try to establish the run game early, especially with Clyde Edwards Hilaire coming back. Um, it takes the pressure off of Patrick. It, it, it allows you to have a little bit more time of possession, keep the other team off the field. If you can get four or five, six yards of carry early and establish, like you said, Kim, there's nothing, there's an old saying in line play and, 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 and amongst linemen is there is no feeling like moving another person against their will. Mm. And it's just, it's a feeling of like power that is like no other, you know, when you can take another human being and move them against their will. And, and, and if you can do that, establish that line of scrimmage and move it and you can get three, four, five yards of carry on first and second down, and you're setting yourself up for third and three, it just opens the whole playbook. You can do up. anything. Yeah. Yeah. It takes all the pressure off of, of, of the quarterback and his receivers, and it gives the offensive coordinator everything. So I hope the Chiefs commit to the run game against the Steelers and establish it early. And that carries on, you know, if they're lucky enough to beat the Steelers, carries on into the playoffs um, where they can where they can give Patrick a few more options. So, Joe, I'm going to be the pundit here. I've listened to your show, your interviews plenty of time, and you are very level-headed with your analysis about these games and what can happen. But the Steelers are so flawed. I mean, the Chiefs are just going to blow out these Steelers. I'm a Ravens fan. So I was, like, living and dying last week, and Ben looked like the corpse of Ben Roethlisberger. It was like Peyton Manning in 2015, and this Steelers defense can't stop the run. It's not Pittsburgh Steelers football. The Chiefs are going to run away with this. The line is, like, 12 and a half at Bet Online, Joe. So tell me I'm wrong here. I mean, I don't think this is going to be much of a game. Um, well, you know, 
Listen, here, here's the, here's the thing that that concerns me, Cam, okay. and 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 I and I think you're I think you're spot on on paper. The, the Steelers don't have the big play capabilities. Their run game is really struggling right now. They're 32nd against the run in the NFL. So they're, they're at the bottom of the barrel. Now, it's, it's a little bit counterintuitive to think that or see that on paper because they've got some stout dudes on the mm -hmm. defensive front. It's just they haven't been able to put all the right pieces together to stop the run against the teams that they've played. And, and so on paper, I totally agree with you. I think Vegas is telling us that too, right? That this game really shouldn't be a game. It's a huge, huge line. Um, and Kansas City is a huge favorite. One of, one of the largest favorites we've seen in a long time. In playoff in the, history, yeah. In, in the playoffs. And listen, Ben Roethlisberger, he knows what he's doing. He's got championship DNA. You've got Mike Tomlin, who is one of the best coaches in the NFL, who has had not had has not had a losing season in 15 years. Mm. They know he, they, he has a squad that knows how to coach. I just I'm just I'm just a little concerned about that line. Um, I think the Chiefs are going to win this game unless barring like you always have to throw in the caveat that something crazy could happen. Injuries, what have you? Injuries. You lose Patrick Mahomes, God forbid, early in the game. Whatever. It, it, there's a million things that happen on Sundays that we can't Saturdays, you know, and, and, and Mondays now with yeah, playoffs. Monday How about that? Week, right. Yeah. Monday. <laughs> so like, you know, that I'll just, I'll, I'll use the proverbial Sunday. Like there's anything that can happen on a Sunday, a fumble, a missed punt, a block punt, a drop ball, a, a wacky interception that bounces off of a receiver. Like right. you never know, but let's, 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 let's play the long odds here and say, Kansas city wins this game. I don't think they, I don't think they're going to, cover okay. i think i think it's going to be like a, a, a seven to ten point game where kansas city is going to jump out they're going to control the game but i think pittsburgh has enough to keep it close and and plus they have nothing to lose cam you know they've got nothing to lose they, they had nothing to lose going into last week you know when they when they played their hearts out mm -hmm. uh in, in the last game of the season and you know and, and here's you know indy losing to the Jaguars. This, 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 this reminds me a tad of when the Chiefs went to the Super Bowl the year that Miami and Fitzmagic, right? When Fitzpatrick beat, uh, you know, the Patriots on that last day of yeah. the season and jumped the, the Chiefs up to the number one seed. It like, it's like, ooh, I'm getting like weird little feelings about this Pittsburgh thing that like, yeah, it was a lot of magic that went into like, hey, like the football gods were saying, ah, we don't want this to be Ben Roethlisberger's last game, you know? And, and, and it just, it just, you know, I know that sounds like they did you know, it last week. That's for sure. Yeah. And it's, it's, you know, that sounds like uh, I'm pulling mystic powers into this, like that, 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 that that's in there. But like, so anyway, with all of that said, I think, I think it's going to be closer to a seven to 10 point uh, spread for, for Kansas city. But, but however, for all the Chiefs fans listening, please don't think I would ever think that they're going to lose this game. Right? They, they they are gonna they are gonna own this game from the outset. I just think Pittsburgh's going to be able to keep it somewhat close and maybe score late to bump that line to you know seven or ten, and and kind of like you know that that's like my thoughts on the game. I I really do think on paper. You know, and but Coach Schottenheimer always taught us you never throw your helmet out and think you're going to win a game, Cam. Right. And, and I think I think this uh, I think this team uh, will dominate Pittsburgh, but it will be a little closer than that Vegas line. 
Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Sports betting, one of the more unpredictable things in life. And I'm riding some momentum right now, Joe, because I did call the Jaguars game last week. All right. So I'm feeling pretty good about my best bets later this week. I'll stick around for that. But hey, I want to talk about your Eagles here real quick because they're in the playoffs too. You're a Philadelphia guy. Yeah. Let's play hypotheticals. Eagles, Chiefs, Super Bowl. Where yeah, are you at? Uh, <laughs> ooh, that that that's a long that's a long road. Yeah, you know that is a long road. Number one, you know I do I do love my Eagles. You know I grew up in Philadelphia, live in Philadelphia, and uh, you know one of my favorite memories was in 1992 getting a chance to play the Eagles at Arrowhead. And when I saw those winged helmets come out of that tunnel, man, I was like, I can't believe I'm doing this. Like I dreamt about seeing those helmets. I you know. Uh, and, and, and I think, I think the Eagles, um, you know, here's what I'm most excited about as an Eagles fan. Sure. Uh, I'm most excited. The fact that they've got, they're, they're in the playoffs. They're going to get some playoff experience with coach Sirianni and this youngish team. They've got some, you know, got some youth. There's some, there's some, there's some vets, some wily old vets, but they, but, but for the most part, it's a relatively young team and a young coaching staff. So I think the fact that they made, made it to the playoffs is going to give them that like, okay. We, we can do this right and 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 they can get to the playoffs and they can work through a season learn how to stay healthy learn when to rest when not to rest and do all those good things that you learn as a, a first or second year coach um they've got three first round picks next year and you know the whole carson wentz deal you know somebody's looking you know howie roseman's looking like a genius now right. the fact that they've got a really really bright future um i think they're going to stick with Jalen Hurts. Everything I see, everything I read, everything I hear is that he is going to be the heir apparent. Not, not that he isn't now, but he's going to be the one they're going to go into this playoff. And no matter how he plays, they're going to go into next season building this organization around Jalen Hurts. And I think that's exciting to be able to say we've got three first round picks, which you can, you know, maybe maybe it's not all picks. Maybe they Maybe they trade one of those picks for – a core position that they really, really feel like they need, you know, maybe there's a, a, a super free agent wide receiver out there that could help support Jalen hurts. Um, and, and they can bring him in. Um, I love what their offensive line is doing. They, they have molded after the first several games of, of dealing with some injuries, they have really molded into a unit that has a lot of chemistry. Jason they're Kelsey is great. Yeah. Big. They're nasty. They're mm. physical. And their running game, their running, you know, their running game by committee has seemed to really work. Now, when they when they played the Bucks the first time, they ran the ball, I think, nine times. Crazy. That was yeah. crazy. They need to run the ball 99 times if they're going to beat the Buccaneers because they got to keep Brady off the field. So, um, you know, I think that's what's uh, exciting for me is that they've established a running game. And I'm really looking forward to what they can do against the Bucks to show me what next season is going to be like. I, you know, I don't feel real good about them winning this game. And I think, I don't think there's going to be as, as, as crusty as we are in Philadelphia, you know, as East coast as we are and grumpy sometimes um, everybody knows the history of, of, of Philadelphia sports fans. I do still think that most fans are going to come out of this game, win, lose, lose big, whatever happens. They're going to come out of this game feeling good that we made it to the playoffs with all the positives that we're going to be building on. I don't think they're going to be mad right. at coach Sirianni. If we don't win this game, um, they know that we have a lot to build.
I'll tell you what, I mean, if you're an Eagles fan, you probably feel like you're playing with house money at this point. Oh, totally. Playoffs, yeah. Right yeah. Now, yeah. So. Totally. Totally. I, 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 I totally agree with you there. It, it is, it is kind of, it's kind of like the way the Steelers, I, I got to imagine that's how the, you know, that's how the Steelers for are sure. feeling. For sure. You know? Yeah. Um, so. Well, a lot of good matchups here this weekend, Joe. And if you have any best bets outside of that chief selection, feel free to let the folks know. What are you looking at this weekend? Um, you know, I gotta say, I, I, and I and I know this one. This one might. This one might come. I, I think. I think. My 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 Eagles friends are not going to be happy. I, oh I think the I think the Bucks are a pretty solid pick. Okay. I I, I think I think you know it's this. It, this is Tom Brady. I know the Bucs have struggled a little bit. They're the defending champs. I, I think the Bucs are a good pick at eight and a half because I, th- I think that's going to be a, probably a 10, a 10 point game. Hmm. Um, you know, I think th- the same way that I think the, the Pittsburgh is going to be able to stay inside of that, you know, big 12 and a half point spread that they have. I think the, I think the Bucs are going to be able to get ahead enough and put a lot of pressure on on the Eagles early that they're going to win by, you know, by 10. So, so I think it's, I think the bucks is a decent pick. Here's one that I think might surprise people and, and it could come back to bite me, but I feel pretty good about the bills. Interesting. Okay. I, I, I think, I think the bills as I've, as I've watched them over the course of this season and, and I've watched Josh Allen, I think, I think they have the capability, you know, especially having watched very closely a couple of times that game against the Chiefs. Now the Chiefs defense yeah. was struggling at the time. Um, I just don't know if the Patriots can can bring that momentum. Um, I just don't think the, the, the Patriots can bring the momentum they have into Buffalo. It is going to be cold. And and I like know the zero pa- degrees, I think. Something. And I know the Patriots ran all over. Um, the Bills the last time. I think the Bills have, have really game planned to shore that up. And I think I think I think Josh Allen's gonna be a little bit more comfortable. So I have a feeling that the Bills are gonna win by a touchdown. Okay. And I think they're gonna I think they're gonna beat the spread there um, and be able to uh, some of the other games are so darn close and their these teams are so evenly matched. It is really, it is really hard to call. You Cowboys know, Niners is a tough one. Ooh, man, that is like, because everybody's looking, you know, I know everybody's looking at the Cowboys, like, God, what they did to the Eagles. Come on. Like Rex Ryan was on, you know, ESPN going, they beat the B team. Like, come on. Eagles didn't have one starter out there. Not one. I mean, I think, I think my old gym teacher was playing for the (laughs) Eagles in that Cowboys game. And, you know, I just don't know. I, I, not having that week of momentum, I I'm worried about, you know, I'm worried about, that game from if I was a Cowboys fan because you know I hope they're not going in with too much uh, you know confidence or overconfidence you know based on on what's going to happen so yeah there, there's some really really tough games out there to call um, but you know I'd, I'd have to go I'd have to go maybe with the Steelers uh, the Bills and and possibly the Bucks as you know as three good picks not that the Chiefs are going to lose but I think the Steelers will be able to keep it under that 12 points. There you go, folks. Joe Valerio's best bets right here on Lock It In with Cam Rogers. Joe Valerio, former NFL offensive lineman, host of Believe in Chiefs. Joe, good luck to your Chiefs this weekend. Appreciate the time, sir. Thank you, Cam. This was great. Let's do it again, and uh, let's let's make it a regular. Let's do this on the regular. You got it. All right, buddy. Have a great one. You too. 
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.